Hey everyone, I'm Alicia McClintic, and this is the A Plain Account podcast. I'm here this week with a really special co-host, and I am so excited. This is my friend Felicia Larson. She and I made it through seminary Greek together, studying long hours, conjugating verbs, practicing the alphabet, making flashcards. I didn't survive that year of Greek without her, so I'm so grateful that she is here to offer a faithful reading of the text um, and her own unique perspective. Felicia, thanks so much for being here. Will you share a little bit about um, where you're serving and what your role is pastorally? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alicia. I'm so glad to be here. Well, yes, so I am the pastor of spiritual formation at Awakening Church here in San Jose, California. And a lot of what I do, especially in this season, is truly just helping people care for their souls. I mean, there's just so much of that that needs to be done in this season. And uh, people who are returning to faith um, because, you know, they're just feeling that that tug from the Lord. And so a lot of those sorts of conversations. A big part of what I do, though, is our protege experience, helping young leaders to just identify where God has um, blessed them and called them, whether it's within ministry or in the marketplace. So, yeah. And this is one of the reasons I'm so excited that you're here to read this parable with us, because I just feel like your life demonstrates this idea of stewardship and faithfulness with the resources that God has given us. And so um, we're going to read a parable from Matthew that has traditionally been interpreted that way. I also think we'll spend some time questioning some of the systems embedded in the parable, but ultimately I think it will be a word to us about faithfulness, about stewardship, about waiting for the kingdom of God in its fullness. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 25. We've got verses 14 through 30 this week from the lectionary. Um, and I have the NIV today. Again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has the tent for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. 
and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks to, be God. to God. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this, this parable is familiar. I, I, I know that as a church kid, I've heard this several times, especially during like yeah. stewardship season or the, the <laughs> um, like annual kind of faith pledges. It's common among there. I also think that there's something more going on in the parable, but Felicia, can you help us maybe set the stage with some of the details of the parable. I know that you are a diligent researcher. So can you maybe <laughs> shed some light on like, what's this talent situation? And maybe this image of the like weeping and gnashing of teeth or the like servant master kind of mm-hmm. dynamics. Can you help us like set the context here? Yeah. So um, speaking of the talent, I went and, and looked it up. I was like, okay, I want to check out what are the weights and measures of this thing. And so one of the first things I learned was that it's equivalent to 30 shekels, uh, to 3,000 shekels, actually. And though, but whether or not it was silver or copper or gold, it would have a variance in weight. So between 58 and 80 pounds. And so I, as I was looking at that, I was thinking to myself, okay, so let's just take the middle of the road, 75 pounds. That's a lot of money to be walking around with to, and then to dig a hole to bury it. I was mm-hmm. like, okay that also takes a lot of time to dig a hole big enough to hide that. And then of course, he's not going to do that in plain sight because it's his master's money. And if he's afraid of his master, he's going to hide it someplace that's, you know, not visible. But I just thought the walk, the weight of the money and the hole to dig, I'm like, in all the time he took to do that, he could have strategized another way to invest that money. (laughs) So just one of my early thoughts on that. I was like, yeah, really? it maybe took him as much effort to hide the money <laughs> as it did maybe some of the others to invest it in something. Exactly. I, mean, I don't really know. Yes. I'm a preacher, not an economist, so yes. <laughs> or an investment well, banker or anything like that. But yeah. it, but it does seem it it took like a lot of effort for him to to get there. And that is that's a lot of money. That's not exactly packet change. So you're just like no. walking around with. But <laughs> I yeah I I also think that um uh he his decision to not do anything is itself a decision that took a significant amount of effort like not to decide is to Mm -hmm. decide or like to be neutral like I'll just Mm -hmm. keep it safe and give it back like is itself um a decision there isn't a way to be neutral I guess in this kingdom reality which is one of the things that I'm I'm wrestling with in terms of this of this parable. And I, I mean, I think we're seeing the consequences of that now, as we think about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to wait faithfully for the reign of God to come in its fullness? And, and I think we're seeing from the words of Jesus and from the actions of Jesus, there isn't a way to be neutral or to just sort of like idle. <laughs> like, yes. like, like exactly. I, I, I spent a little bit in my early teen years trying to drive a strict, a, a stick shift. Like you can't, like there, yes. there isn't room for you to just like be waiting around in neutral when we're talking about participation in the kingdom of God or in the reign of God, like, and, and to make that decision to mm-hmm. sort of stay idle, um, yes. is itself like drawing back from the work that God has given you to do. Um, Absolutely. I also thought too, I was like, there seemed to be a sort of um, lack of desire to even incorporate maybe some of the other things that the other stewards were doing, right? Like Mm -hmm. not even to be willing to ask for help. 
I thought that was interesting. I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's sure is obvious that the others are making this money over time. So to not even reach out and say, Hey, can you help me understand what you're doing? And so I'm not sure if that was a piece of pride or arrogance or something, but just like that unwillingness to even, you know, try other people's strategies. I thought sure. was interesting. <laughs> obviously they're part of the same kind of cohort that like yes. the three of these folks have been called up together, each given yes. something according to their abilities. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as this parable says, there's a, there's a parallel parable in Luke, but in that one, there are 10 servants and each is given the same amount. Right. But yes, but Matthew has the, the each according to their abilities situation. Well, yes. may, so maybe this third servant was like out of his depth. Maybe this was a bit beyond his abilities, but he got called up in the first place so did he not did he not have mm-hmm. people he could look to the side to see like help help me help help me out a little bit yeah. or like yeah let's join forces together and like do this <laughs> do this work like I I don't know maybe that's a yeah. little bit of a stretch <laughs> um, yeah but, who knows yeah yeah um but it does it does seem like in this series of parables we're talking about wise and foolish we're talking about faithful and unfaithful Mm -hmm. Um, and so those are some thematic elements that we really need to tease out about this parable like what does it mean to be faithful like what did the the faithful characters do and what did the unfaithful characters do and what kind of what's the deciding factor the the dividing line between wise and foolish faithful and unfaithful do you have some thoughts about that or like Mm -hmm. How, how would you, how would you paint a portrait of the faithful servants here? Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about like, for number one, responsibility, right? Like when you're handed this significant amount of money, in this case, the talent, it's like, what's your responsibility with it? Um, And then I I even thought about like the compassionate thing to do, Mm. you know, potentially, in investing it in other people, Mm. you know, like, I don't know if this was part of the plan, but at least like taking a risk in um, reaching out beyond and saying, okay, well, maybe there are other people that have abilities and they're willing to risk. And can I invest in what they're doing? And, and so I was just thinking about that sort of faithfulness, like faithfulness is also compassionate in that, maybe it's not just me going, okay, at the end of this, I want the master to look at me and see what I have done, but maybe how I have helped other people accomplish what they have been given to do. Yeah. That that stood out to me. I was like, huh, that that's possible. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, I want to believe that the, that these people gave out microloans to fellow farmers who are struggling to work the land. I, I'm not sure the parable offers that to us, but that's where my like sanctified imagination kicks in where like, I, I want, I want to believe that, that it was in service of the common good and the greater community. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though, yeah, like you said, it's not, it's not saying that there, but I just wonder how did the multiplication happen? right? For those that did multiply. And so it, you know, if it wasn't just like, hey, I'm going to just go put it on loan, or I'm going to like, work whatever system of financial management they had, but maybe there was this opportunity. And so at the end of the day, though, I think faithfulness looks like the ability to take a risk, you know, because, Mm -hmm. you know, like that sort of, I don't know which, um, I think it's in the ESV, it used is that slothful so there's something lazy about the one that didn't you know Mm. have some turnover in the money so it's like okay so then 
what does not being lazy look like? Well, it means taking a risk and even, you know, doing the minimal amount, but it still requires something as opposed to fear and the just, I'm going to go and hide it. Right. Okay. And then we, we remember that we always use the whole narrative arc of scripture to interpret scripture. And Jesus has been telling us over and over, telling the disciples um, over and over what faithfulness looks like. It looks like Mm -hmm. service to the least and the last and the lowly. And that's the, that's the parable that comes next in this discourse is the, is the separation of the sheep and the goats um, where where mm-hmm. we, we get to this moment of judgment, um, of justice, and, um, and the ones who are declared faithful are the ones who served the needy, clothed the naked, fed the hungry, gave water to the thirsty, um, all of these sorts of things that Jesus had modeled all along. Um, and so yes. I, I, think, I think that then matters when we think about what does it mean to be faithful? Our interpretive key is always the person and the work of Jesus. Um, cause there, there is, a, it does seem to me a kind of dark side of this parable because we, we have, I mean, to be taken with a grain of salt because it is the unfaithful servant, the quote, worthless servant who says these things about the master. So who knows how his yes. perspective is shifted <clears throat> in that space. So with a grain of salt, but if we take it at face value, the, this is a hard man um, who yes. gathers where he is not sown seed, um, where he is invested in turning his like very large sums of money into quite larger sums, where like the wealthy are getting wealthier, um, mm. perhaps at the expense of the poor. Like I like I don't know. Again, the parable doesn't say that directly, um, but there is this there is this question the shadow cast on the character of the master whether that should be taken at face value or not I do think it demands some sort of like recognition and acknowledgement um and yes and per and perhaps the if if we if we read the parable backwards kind of that way perhaps Mm -hmm. the invitation is to say beware of the master's that have set themselves over you and instead engage the work that God has given you to do. And sometimes that means taking the risk, the faithful risk of untangling mm-hmm. yourself from that system and risking the slurs against you and the, mm-hmm. and the, and the reality of being an outcast because you're following mm-hmm. the way of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really know what to do with that, but I do think that this parable demands some kind of questioning of it, especially of a really familiar text that's been preached in a certain way for, for me, at least in my context mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. Well, when you bring that up just like the whole idea of kind of reading it backwards, it's like, okay, if we land on this, okay, the faithful are good to the poor. They're, you know, they're looking to help those in need, those who are imprisoned. Well, then potentially someone who is greedy, who has access to everything um, and the ability to throw this person out and separate them from, you know, the good things that he has to offer. Mm -hmm. If we look at it in that under that scope, then it's like, okay, during this time that the people of God are waiting for the kingdom of God to be set up, up, they may have to interact with people who don't um, see people as worthwhile. Mm. And so if he decided, well, I'm not going to, to um, continue to build this system Mm. that is already hand over fist, getting what it needs, 
then I'm just going to give you back what you gave me. If, if we look at it through that lens, then it is very different. Then it's like, okay, so then when it comes to that separation, is that person a goat or a sheep? You know, sure. and, and so it leaves all of that very open to, yeah, if you take it at face value and don't allegorize this, what is this saying about someone who has that ability to make money hand over fist and have his servants do the same? And then this person says, no, I'm not willing to continue to contribute to that system. Yeah. And I think in either case, um, well, I'll back up and say that this is this is one of my favorite um images to use about reading scripture it's the the ancient rabbis were kind of quoted as um treating the scriptures like a gem with many facets so to be turned over and to look at different facets of the scriptures and see how they sparkle up at you and surprise you and so uh if if there are these two facets of of the parable, it does seem that there are some common threads that in either case, it does seem that the faithfulness required requires quite a lot of risk, right? Um, yes. And, and demands some responsibility for, for personal engagement, um, mm-hmm. whether, whether that's to, to speak on behalf of the master and to invest the master's money or whether that's to untangle from a greedy and hard master right? Mm-hmm. Like I, either way, those are both like really risky moves. And so I guess the, the way that the text is coming to me in both of those scenarios or facets of the scripture interpretation is that the, the faithful work demands some risk and responsibility. Yes. And whichever way you take that risk and responsibility to be willing to stand up for it as opposed mm. to running from it. Yeah. You know? And yeah. And I think that's important, right. As opposed to just, I knew that this was what you're like. And so therefore I did nothing. And it's like, no, it's like, if you're going to do that, then stand in your space. I did nothing because this is what I think about your system and the way you do things, or I did this because X, Y, and Z. And yeah. I think that, yeah, it does take that responsibility. I do think though, that, um, kind of the traditional way that it's been teased out looking at you know that kind of kingdom of heaven you know Mm -hmm. if we look at it in that way it just it makes me think though this servant had such a negative view of the master Mm -hmm. and if I take it in like the original way I've understood it I'm like it make it takes me back to like that idea of the first Adam and sort of blaming God for why he didn't do Mm -hmm. what he was to do you know say more about that remind us remind us of those connections yeah well I just think like when Adam fell short of his responsibility to communicate you know I think to Eve I don't know if Eve necessarily heard from from God don't touch this fruit but certainly should have heard from Adam and so in that responsibility that he had to pass on the information when it didn't go well he blamed God God for the woman you gave me. Mm-hmm. So then I look at this servant and it's like, okay, I chose to be afraid and not take a risk. Well, then I'm going to blame you as a hard person who can, you know, who has everything at your advantage and your disposal. And then I'm like, okay, but for someone who is deemed considered considered a taker, he just was generous in giving everything to you. Mm. <laughs> he or not everything, but gave something to you knowing your ability. 
And in your ability, you chose to do what you did with it. And so that's kind of where I juxtapose those and go, okay, if it truly is a like, if we are to look at it through the lens of, okay, God is the master, then what does this say about the servant and his lack of understanding about the master? Yeah, totally. Because it does, it does seem that um, an understanding of the character of the master influences the behavior of the servants right um and and you're so right like that's that's the story of scripture when we look at human failings in response Mm -hmm. to the ways that god has called them and given them responsibility how often do we shift into blame immediately when things when things go wrong and and it does seem to me that in this series of parables especially here at the end of matthew at the end of jesus's life Um, Mm -hmm. Jesus is using quite a lot of parables of judgment. There are quite a lot of parables of grace, like a surprising turn at the end of a parable where there's grace upon grace. Um, but most Mm -hmm. of these like are like, we've got the, the wicked and, and the wicked and lazy slaves, um, the, the 10 virgins, the parable of the talents, the sheep and the goats, like all of those are really about like, like when it comes down to it, have you been faithful to the work that God has given you to do or not? And then mm-hmm. again, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I think they're, they're meant to be taken as a unit. When we get to this yes. image of the sheep and the goats, it's like, well, there isn't, an, there isn't any excuse. Either you did the work that Jesus gave you to do, you followed in the way of Christ, you, you responded to um the least and the last and the lowly, the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized with grace and compassion um, out of sacrificial love. Like either you did that or you didn't. And there isn't anyone right. to blame, but you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> in like in, in those spaces. And so I guess as I, I'm especially feeling that now in these moments where it feels like the world is on fire <laughs> to say like, okay, Oof. what does it mean to show up and be faithful to do the mm-hmm. work that God has given me to do knowing knowing that it is, it is in some senses, my responsibility. Now we don't like give into any sort of triumphalism that we're like going to brick by brick, build the kingdom here (laughs) by our own efforts. Right. Like that's just another tower Mm -hmm. of Babel. Right. Um, We know that we need God's supernatural inbreaking, but we also know that we're empowered by the resurrection, right? That like the same power that Mm -hmm. conquered the grave lives in us and empowers us to live holy lives. And so as we seek to follow Jesus, we we know that we can take those steps with, with faithfulness, right? There's a quote yes. from um, N.T. Wright that I, um, that I quite love. Um, he says this, this is from his book, Surprised by Hope. Once we get the resurrections straight, we can and must get mission straight. People who believe in the resurrection and God making a whole new world in which everything will be set right at last are unstoppably motivated to work for that new world in the present. And if we believe it and pray as Jesus taught us for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, there is no way we can rest with major injustice in the world. The final putting to rights of everything does indeed wait for the last day. And so we must therefore avoid the arrogance of triumphalism or of imagining that we can build the kingdom by our own efforts without the need for a further divine act of new creation. But we must agree that doing justice in the world is part of the Christian task. And so I think as, as we come to this parable of like, what does it mean to be faithful in the waiting while the master has been gone a long time? What does it yes. mean to, to, to invest the talents that we have been given for the sake of 
justice for the sake of God's reign, for the sake of Jesus's um, reign of light and love and peace and justice. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm sitting with that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, as I sat with this, you know, I, I certainly went personal with it and was like, okay, mm. so what does this mean for me? Like, what has God entrusted to me? And maybe mm. some of these things would be others that other people would connect with, right? Like, there's money, literally, like the talents. Um, and then there's our environment, you know, mm-hmm. as a people, our families, the influence that I have as a pastor, as, as a woman, you know, who's older, like that influence is important. We have our gifts and abilities, our mental faculties, our education, you know, all of those things are part, our bodies are a stewardship, our, you know, the, how do we treat the temple of God, the time that we have, and our friendships, mm-hmm. like all of those things are entrusted to us. And each of those, you know, I, I believe that we have the weight of responsibility of what do we do with those? How do we invest in those? And then what does God, how does God use them to impact the world around us? And I think that is super important as we think about what's entrusted to us. What do we have authority over? We may feel in this moment, well, my voice doesn't matter, depend on who your candidate was or whatever it's like but at the end of the day it's like where do you have authority and are you using it in those spaces Mm -hmm. yeah and now are you leveraging that for the reign of god right exactly yeah exactly oh my gosh man well so if you were preaching this text this week what what would be some of the like concrete handles or images you would bring to your people like how how would you be bringing this to the pulpit this week? Well, yes, I think the first thing is like kind of back to what I said a little bit ago, it's like, it's not all up to you as an individual, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we do these, this in community? Like that man was given talents in community with other people, even like you said, sort of like a, a counter passage in Luke, like the 10, it's like, we are not doing this alone. So how do you lock arms with people with similar influence? And how do you bring forward the kingdom of God in this moment? That's so good, because we're not the first, nor will we be the last. So how are we thinking about like about an investment that that leaves a legacy and that brings other people along as well? Yes. And I think all of that is is so, so powerful. Mm hmm. And, and I think also too, just like at the, the compassion piece, mm-hmm. it's like, for me, it's not about just the money. Cause I think we can focus on that. Well, if I had the money, I would do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, but if you can make a meal, you can offer that like in compassion, like that I've been in spaces lately where I have been so surprised by people's kindness And so even that, like a kind word, a smile, like those are parts of God's reign here and now. And it's like when people just are, are seen as God's creation and his image bearers, how do I in just everyday life offer a kind word? I feel like that's it too. Like we are, we are entrusted with many things, but to be faithful, responsible, compassionate, and then courageous And we can think it's out in there in the streets doing things. And yes, those are necessary and needed things. But then do you walk past someone 
with a scowl on your face when you when it costs you nothing to smile mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah oh my gosh it's um yeah I think I think it's in these seasons um again when it feels like the world is on fire where I feel like the great responsibility of um being a representative of Christ's light and love and peace and justice. Um, and mm-hmm. and I, I think that's one of the things that's coming to me as I read the text this week is like the weight of the talent. I love that you pointed us yes. to that. Like that's like maybe 75 or 80 pounds. Like like that's, that's a, I don't think I would be able to take that backpacking. I think I've only done like a 50 pound pack before. That's a lot. Right. That's like a lot to be carrying, you know? Yes. Um, and, and honestly, like as, as um, a vocational clergy person in this time of division and fear and anxiety and um, man, 2020 has been a wilderness season <laughs> and, yes. and I, and I feel the, I feel the weight of that responsibility. And so I think one of the ways the text is coming to me is to say like, okay, yes, that's a thing. It's not in my head. I didn't make it up. Like I'm not imagining this weight (laughs) that's real. Um, And so then what am I going to do with that responsibility? Can, Mm -hmm. can I, yeah. How, how can I be faithful? How can I do the next right thing? I'm also, I think really disturbed by this, um, by this third servant who buries something in the ground or takes a position Mm -hmm. of or tries to take a position of neutrality to say like, mm-hmm. well, I'll just like hold on to it and keep it safe or keep it secure. And then I can give it back and everything will be fine. And I can wash my hands of the matter. Mm-hmm. That was a, like a deliberate allusion to Pilate and washing his hands of the <laughs> Jesus situation. Um, and mm-hmm. and I, I think like, especially in seasons like this, always it is but especially in seasons like this there is no way to be neutral in the face of injustice or there's no No. way to be neutral when the call of the kingdom is so clear um and so Mm -hmm. yeah I've been thinking quite a lot about that that's maybe more confessional than it is um (laughs) like homiletically (laughs) applicable um but I I do think I do think our people need to hear the ways that we as pastors as faith leaders as community leaders are 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 bearing that burden um absolutely well and I I love what you're saying because I think maybe this is a moment of confession Mm. maybe it's not just about okay here's what you about application here's what you do maybe it is for us to say you know I I don't know the way forward and I would prefer to bury my influence and not step out and take a risk in this moment but as I you know, your leader, and I'm here, I'm responsible to you as my flock. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is part of it is help me carry this burden. Yeah. You know, how, like, that's like, that's part of the idea of the church, right? Like, we don't do anything in isolation, we do it in community. And so how do we as a family carry the burden that God has given us? So like, in our individual churches, you know, spaces, what has God entrusted to us as a church? Mm-hmm. And so rather than taking it on as an individual, yes, there are certainly individual tasks that God has given each of us, but in the family, how do we as a church, what our specific thing, our specific entrustments are, what do we do with that? Totally. Yeah. I, I do think that, that this parable demands not just an individual reckoning, but a communal reckoning. Like how Absolutely. is our community, uh, 
uh, stewarding the things we have been entrusted with, right? Mm-hmm. And and maybe maybe that isn't funds. Maybe you don't have money in the bank, but maybe you have a building or a space to meet, or you have um, ta- talented people who can offer something beautiful to the world. Like I I do think that our communities need to do some collective reflection and understanding to say who who are we as God's people? What has God entrusted us with, and how do we steward and shepherd that? for the glory of God's reign. Amen. Man. Oh, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for <laughs> chiming in and bringing your expertise and your, um, and your diligent <laughs> talents to the, <laughs> to the table. Um, any parting words before, um, before we sign off? I am just so grateful for the invitation to get to be here. This was so fun to get a chance to look at a passage that I, like you said, I have heard many, many years, many, many times, and to get the chance to see it um, in a fresh way has been really great. So fun. Super. Oh my gosh. So good. And I hope that's been true for our listeners as well. I hope that this has enriched your study as you've tuned in and given us um, a few minutes of your time this week. Uh, we remind you to check out our website, aplainaccount.org. There are, as always, stellar contributors for commentaries there. Um, follow us on all the social media. Check in um, on the discussion page on Facebook and see um, how some other folks are preparing to preach this passage. As always, we send you out with grace and peace to preach boldly and to love your people well. We'll see you next week. <laughs>